Well, good morning. And I have uh, waited quite some time to be with you and quite some time to say this. This is it. I'm going to say it. Here it comes. Welcome to Grace Fellowship Church, Fort Thomas. I am so glad to see each and every one of you. I'm so glad that you've chosen to uh, spend this time with us on this uh, historic day for our church in many ways on this first Sunday. Well, let me open in a word of prayer, and then we will open up God's word together today. Father in heaven, we are so unbelievably grateful for all that you've done among us to bring us to this particular launch Sunday of your church, your church. Lord, everything here belongs to you. This plaza belongs to you. Uh, Our church belongs to you. Your word certainly belongs to you. And you allow us to be good stewards of our lives and our times and our resources. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you would bring us to this particular day. And Lord, we just want to stop and say thank you. We want to thank you for the way that you've blessed everything that has been poured into preparing for this big day. We want to thank you for construction projects that have finished on time and early. Lord, we want to thank you for the resources that you've blessed us with to be able to do this, to prepare for this day. We want to thank you for the resources that you've blessed us with chiefly in people, staff, and volunteers, and key leaders, and people who are willing to burn the midnight oil in so many ways to prepare us for this particular, this particular day. Lord, those are all examples of your grace And we're grateful for that. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we uh, continue today. Bless us in the many things that we have uh, to come for our church here. The Bible studies, Lord, the small groups, the counseling, the outreaches, the student ministry. Lord, we ask that you would bless us, not just for our sake, but for your name, for your glory, that your name might be magnified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I prayed, I realized I should also let you know uh, a couple of things that we have coming up. So we do have student ministry here at the Fort Thomas campus, and Matt Ross is going to be leading that. Matt, are you here? Would you be so kind as to stand? That's Matt Ross. He's going to be leading our, our student ministry, and that's going to kick off on Sunday, September 27th. We just wanted to get a couple of weeks, because, of course, we'll be totally ready by then. And we wanted to get, give us ourselves a couple of weeks uh, just, to, just to get a feel of the new place, see who God has brought to us. But you can count on Sunday, September 27th, our student ministry kicking off, and that's going to be uh, for grades 6 through 12, and they will meet at 9 a.m. That's one hour before the start of our service over in our space over there. So So 9 a.m. in two weeks, Sunday, September 27th, that's going to start. Other things that you can keep an eye open for, that you can be watchful for, is we're going to start a ladies' Bible study that will meet on Thursday mornings, uh, beginning the first Thursday in October. We'll have more information for you on that. Uh, We're going to have, uh, Lord willing, an outreach. We'll get back into the outreaches that we've been doing for our Newport Intermediate School. That'll happen also in mid-October, and we'll have more information for you on that. You can always stay tuned to graceky.org and always find out the latest of what's going on. But I just want to let you know some of the things that were in the works uh, that were in the works for us. Lastly, also, there is not enough connection form folders to go all the way back. So that last row, you need to snake it like back and forth to make sure it gets all the way back because if people don't get a connection form, they get really upset. So we wouldn't want that to happen, have them feel left out. So if you could make sure that happens, that would be very, very helpful. Well, as I said in the note that I put in your sermon outline, which hopefully you have in your hands, this really is a historic day for our church. And by our church, I mean 
two things. First, it's a, it's a big day for us here, right? It's our first Sunday together of what I hope and pray and have every bit of confidence, not in myself and not just in people, but every bit of confidence in the Lord will be the beginning of long-lasting and fruitful ministry here at Fort Thomas. Now, it's one thing to be alive. It's one thing to be present. But I want, to, I want you to notice what I just wor- how I just worded that statement. Long-lasting, fruitful ministry. I don't want to just have a presence here. I don't want us just to be here. But I am hoping and praying and confident in the Lord that we, he will give us the ability to bear fruit right here at Grace Fellowship Church's Fort Thomas campus. I'm hoping and praying and would ask you to pray to that end. Uh, that he would be pleased to grow us spiritually, that people would see something different within us as they interact with us, not just as they come here, but just as they interact with us throughout the week in whatever circles you run in, however you roll, whatever schools you go to, whatever job you work. I'm hoping that people can, can, can see, can just smell the sweet smelling aroma of the knowledge of Christ among the people of God and see there's something different about him. There's something different. When I interact with Hank, there's something different about him. When I, when I rub shoulders with Cindy, there's something different about her. There's a light. There's a hope. It's not easy. Life isn't just easy, but there's something, something more than just the here and now that they're putting their hope in. But please pray to that end. Long-lasting, fruitful ministry. But we have a church family that extends beyond the walls of this place. The Grace Fellowship Church family exists both here and at our Florence campus, and they celebrate with us today as well. So it's a big day for Everyone, And if you look in your sermon outline, you'll see a note that uh, I put in there, which I quote a verse that I've used repeatedly uh, over the past several weeks. It's a verse found in Psalm 66 and verse 5. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. Come and see. Yesterday we had our open house. Uh, which was an opportunity for everyone and anyone to just come and see. Come see the new place. Come see the new space. Come see how it finished. Come rub shoulders with some of the people who you're going to be going to church with. And we had some people who just stopped by because they happened to be up here for other reasons and wanted to know what was going on. It was a great opportunity for people to come and see. Uh, By God's grace, this place was open. There wasn't an event here. So people came and saw the event center and where where we would be worshiping. Just by show of hands, how many of you stopped by for the open house yesterday? Okay, so several of you, and then several other people from the Florence campus, several people from the community, just stopped by to check it out. And perhaps that's the draw for many of you today. I'm I'm glad you've chosen to come and see. Maybe this is your first time worshiping at any Grace Fellowship Church campus. And if it is, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and we're all going to applaud. I'm not going to do that, but I'm really glad that you're here. I'm really glad that you've decided to come and see, to kick the tires, to see if this is something that the Lord would have you join and plug into. Now, while it's not inappropriate to quote that verse with regard to what the Lord has done among us over the past months as we've prepared to launch, we'd be remiss to think that's what the psalmist had on uh, his mind as these words were penned. It's like the psalmist says, he is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men, and then goes on to list examples. If you were reading it, we're not turning there, but you could look at it another time. He gives examples of what he means by he is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. And the things that he talks about causes the things that we talk about sometimes to pale in comparison, right? Because when I go to Chipotle, I just describe the bowl as awesome. You're like, when you, I'm, I'm sure there's things that you have in your life that you describe as awesome. Maybe you use that word, and I'm not saying it's completely inappropriate, but I want you to see the difference between what I call awesome 
which is a steak bowl with white, white, white rice and black beans and fajita veggies and pico de gallo and, and the medium green salsa. You can get both and sour cream and lettuce and cheese. And for an extra dollar ninety-five, the guac. They bring me down every time. Every time I ask for the guac, they, you know this an extra. I'm like, I know it's an extra dollar ninety-five. Stop reminding me. So that falls into the awesome. Sometimes the awesome category. Wow, this lunch was awesome. Wow, the weather's awesome. Uh, wow, the traffic today was smooth. Was, how would you drive? It was awesome. It was so much shorter. Many of you, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just want you to understand the difference between what we describe as awesome and what the psalmist describes as awesome. He says things like, God turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. So, my well-organized, put-together burrito bowl and people walking through a river on completely dry land. He has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. Then he even talks about difficult times. He said, you tested us. That's interesting. We'll talk about that a little later, that God has this psalmist describe something as a test that is awesome. The test, which is difficult, is awesome. He says, for you, O God, have tested us. You have trod us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. That doesn't sound terribly awesome, but the psalmist calls it awesome. You let men ride over our heads. Again, not awesome, but the psalmist describes it as awesome. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us to a place of abundance. What about you? What are examples that you can speak of today of how God has shown him to be awesome? Not nice, cool, really helpful. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, but I am asking about the word awesome. What has God done that would fall into that category that you say he is awesome? in his deeds toward the children of men. Let me tell you how he is awesome. If someone were to come up to you and say, how has God shown himself to be awesome in your life? What would come to your mind? Because the psalmist says he is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. We're going to start, if you'd open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. The title of the sermon is The Multicolored Grace of God. And I want to explain that title to you because maybe it's like, oh, that's cute, multicolored grace of God. It's like a pretty thing and God's grace comes in many, many colors. And, it's, it's, and you think that's just like, oh, pastors get all excited about their titles. We really get excited about our titles. But that's not the reason I chose that. Or maybe what comes to mind is, um, you know, if you've been in church, especially for a long time, you know that old church song, remember Jesus Loves the Little Children? All the children, the the song that was politically incorrect before politically incorrect was a thing. Red and yellow, black and white. That would never sell today. But but do you you remember that? So maybe that's the multicolored grace. Like, oh, maybe it's the grace is for everyone. All different types and shapes and sizes of people. Uh, But that's not 
uh, what I, why I've chosen to title this particular sermon, The Multicolored Grace of God. I coined the phrase because of something I read in 1 Peter chapter 4, something we discussed at our launch prep meetings, if you were there for any of those uh, not long ago. So take a look at 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 to give us a little bit of context, and I'll read all the way up to verse 11. This is what the Word of God says. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, for they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers." Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then in verse 10, we read this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I just want to call your attention specifically to verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And your Bible may read as uh, good stewards of the manifold grace of God or God's grace in its various forms. And the word in our English Bibles translated as varied or manifold or various forms is the Greek word poikilos. And poikilos literally means multicolored or, or multifaceted or many colored. So first Peter 4.10 could read as each has received a gift Use it to serve one another as good stewards of the multifaceted or multicolored grace of God. Now, if you're new to our church, if you've not spent much time in Grace Fellowship Church, uh, I should let you know something. We're pretty pumped up and pretty excited about the grace of God. We really are. We talk about it a lot, and that's right and good and necessary because the Word of God speaks about it a lot. So as I reflected upon this verse and this day, I decided I wanted to take some time to look at the different colors, if you will, or the different facets of grace that makes it the multicolored grace that Peter speaks of here. Now, admittedly, in this particular context, in 1 Peter 4, Peter is speaking of grace as it pertains to serving in this particular text, and we will get into that a bit later, but I want to look at a variety of texts on this, our launch Sunday, a variety of texts to reflect upon even more colors than Peter covers here. Why? Because if you're anything like me, and I trust that we're not all that different, when it comes to the multicolored grace of God, my guess is you probably need to collect the whole set. My guess is there's not just a single type of grace that you received once and now you're just, you're just good. 
Uh, My guess is that the grace of God is something that you need each and every day to sustain you, to come alongside you, to lift you up, to be the lifter of your head, and to give you hope and help. My guess is you need to collect the whole set. Now, I will try not to rant, but there's something that has uh, always puzzled me, and that is this phrase. I feel like it's a lie no matter how you spin it. Are you ready? One size fits all. Lies. How could that possibly be true, right? Like the hat that would fit me uh, would smother my two-year-old son. Like it, it just can't, it is not one size doesn't fit all. How can that be true? No, no piece of clothing fits everyone. I mean, it's just, it's just not, we, I, I'm convinced I could sue for false advertising. It's, it's just not true. There's no one size that fits all. There's no one size that, I mean, you know, a poncho on me is a, is a bedspread for my five-year-old daughter. There's no one size fits all. And it's the same with grace. Grace in its simplest form, in its briefest definition, is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. It's when God smiles upon us and blesses us in a way that we could have never merited on our own. That's grace. And we all need it. We all need all the help we can get. But we don't all need the same help. I mean, think about it. We all need all the help we can get, but we don't all need the same help. Grace is great, but it might be greater for one than it is for another if it's not their color of the day. What if the grace I need today is not suitable for you? What if I need grace because uh, of my walk in life or my season in life? What if my, my marriage needs a special blessing of grace, but you perhaps aren't married? Fat lot of good marriage grace is going to do you. What if, what if, 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 if you need grace uh, to deal with struggles that you're having at work that someone else isn't ha- having? And God just says, well, hey, listen, all right, today is struggle at work grace day. So that's, you just have to wait for your day. Your day will come around. And but today I'm, just, I'm only blessing people with grace who are struggling at work with their jobs. So I know you're struggling at home, or I know that you really are down or really need some hope, but quite frankly, it's just not your day. One size doesn't fit all. It just doesn't. But thankfully, grace is not one size fits all. Thankfully, the grace of God is not something that we have to be uh, wondering if God is in the mood to meet us where we need it today or if it's just not our day and we're going to have to wait for another day. God gives multicolored grace and we'd be wise to collect the whole set. So let's start broadly but chiefly and say this. As we look at different types of grace, we look at different types of grace at this our launch of Grace Fellowship Let's start with the fact that there is saving grace. We're, we are saved by God's grace. Now, our church holds high the sovereign grace of God. Sovereign grace. In other words, the fact that any of us are saved is simply evidence of God's saving grace at work in our lives. We love the fact that God is sovereign. We love the fact that he is gracious. We love the fact that he's both. Okay? Listen. Imagine a God who is sovereign, which means he is in control of all things, right? Has a lock on everything. He limits, orders, controls, and knows all things. Imagine a God who is sovereign, but not gracious. There are many rulers in this world who have a large amount of control, yet they're really low on the grace side. And that's usually a bad thing. Imagine if God was 
gracious and kind and and generous and loving, but not in control. So his hands were tied. He wants to do good, but he's just, oh, it's just so hard. And we have a God who is sovereign and good. Sovereign and good. Sovereign and gracious. And Paul reminds Christians in Ephesians chapter 2, Christians at the church at Ephesus, they're already saved. He reminds them just how they've been saved. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 says, but God being rich and in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved, verse 5. Verse 8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. See, here's what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, meaning he took on him the penalty that would have rightly been ours took on him the penalty for the sin that he that that we have that he did not have he chose to take upon that take upon himself that sin and pay that penalty a christian is someone who believes that jesus died on the cross and absorbed the wrath of god that would have otherwise come towards them but that jesus died and then rose from the grave on the third day so although he died for us he didn't stay dead but is alive forevermore seated at the right hand of god and why did god choose to do this why would god choose to do that for me so it's not just a it's not just a general question of why would god choose to do this i don't know maybe he had nothing better to do i don't know maybe he just wanted to flex his muscles and show what he could do here's the question why would he do that for me why would he choose to be so gracious towards me Ephesians 2, 4, it's in your outline, says he is not poor, but rich in mercy. He's rich. He's full of it. He's not nearly running out. Verse 5 says that even when we were D-E-A-D, dead in our trespasses, he made us alive, dead to life. By grace, you have been saved. That's saving grace. And many in here, many who are here at our launch Sunday have experienced that. I would, maybe the vast majority have experienced God's saving grace at work in our lives. And we rejoice because it reminds us of what God has done in our lives. Many in here have that. But some in here need that. Many of us have it. But some among us need it. Is, is that you? Is that you? There's a specific color of grace that you may need. You may be sitting here not knowing of what I, of what I speak. You may be new to church or may have spent years in church, maybe had a great experience and were quite blessed in, in who you met and how you rolled and the blessings that came with being part of a church body. Or you may have spent time in church before and, and had, had a terrible experience and, and, and you're what some people would call de-churched, meaning you're kind of done with it and you've just come to try to Check it out because someone said, please come with me. Or maybe you're here to appease someone. I don't care why you're here. I'm just glad you're here. But my point is this. There are people who spend lots of time in church but miss saving grace. There are people who spend lots of time in church and hear a lot of things, good things, good churches, but miss saving grace. And if that's you, I have good news for you, and it's in Ephesians 2, 4. God is rich in mercy. He hasn't run out. 
that there's not a single market collapse that can affect how much mercy he has in his account. And he longs to and desires to and takes great joy in lavishing it upon us, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. He lavishes his grace upon us. Paul says elsewhere in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. You didn't miss the boat if you missed out on saving grace before this day. You know that? It wasn't too bad, so sad. It's not, oh man, I spent all those years and all those opportunities, or, I, or, or I'm just too old, or I'm just too smart, or I'm just too this, or I'm too... None of that. Saving grace is available to you who need it today. Today. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe that God raised him from the dead, if you believe that he died on the cross, not just believe that he died on the cross, but believe that he died on the cross with a purpose, and that purpose was to absorb the wrath of God that is headed towards sinners like you and me, you can be saved You can walk in here bound for hell and you can walk out of here on your way to heaven. That can happen in an instant. Saving grace. Saving grace. There's another type of grace that's also mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2. And it's also in verse 10 and was also mentioned in 1 Peter 4. And it's what I'm calling serving grace. We serve by God's grace. Uh, Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, good works will never get you saved. I think we, we kind of hit that, right? That we're saved by God's sovereign grace. God sovereignly pours his grace upon us, mercifully saves us. It's not because we impressed him. It's not because he's up in heaven going, whoa, look at what he did. Wow, look at her. I think I'll give her saving grace. But he sovereignly bestows his saving grace upon us. We're not saved by works, but that doesn't mean we don't give a rip about good works. Good works will never get you saved. We're saved by grace and grace alone. But that same grace also enables us to serve one another. So there's that other other color of grace, that multicolored grace of God that we spoke about. That enables us to serve. Grace doesn't stop at salvation. God gives us grace to function and serve within the body of Christ. And here in 1 Peter 4, which hopefully you're still open to, it's one of my favorite texts because God levels the playing field and we desperately, desperately Need it. Look again in your Bibles at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and following. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now I want you to see what's done here. I want you to see it in your Bibles. Look at that text again. Now verse 10 says we're to... Use our gifts to serve one another. Now, see the next phrase? As good stewards of God's varied grace, right? What we talked about before, God's multicolored, multifaceted grace. Skip that little phrase, okay? As good stewards of God's varied grace. And tell me if the verse still makes sense. So imagine uh, right there in, verse, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, If it read, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, and then went straight to verse 11. Whoever speaks is one who speaks. And my question is this. If that little phrase, if we skip it, does the verse still make sense? Take a look. Skip that little phrase and tell me, does it still make sense? The answer is yes. 
It's that, that little phrase is not uh, essential to bring out the truth in that text. It would still make sense. It would just, it would just read, you know, as each one has received the gift, use it to serve one another. Whoever ser- speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength God supplies. It would still read well. It would still make sense. I would still have a sermon to preach. It doesn't sound half bad, but here's the thing. And this is what I want you to see. We wouldn't have the reminder that we need. We wouldn't have the reminder that we need. And the reminder we need that is found in that last part of verse 10 that you see in your Bibles is the fact that we serve as good stewards of God's varied grace. The the speaker and the server are placed on level ground here. The person who's preaching this sermon and the person who put this stage together level ground. And I want you to see that in your Bibles. It's not just something I'm passionate about. It's not just something I'm saying so that we can have more people serve. It's in your Bibles. Look at that. The speaker and the server are placed on level ground here. Why? It's not because of what they can do, but why they can do it. They can both function in the body of Christ because of the grace of God. Whoever speaks, look at verse 11. Whoever speaks... He speaks as the oracles of God. I preach to you the word of God, not of, not of Peter, not of Grace Fellowship Church, but the word of God. And if I didn't have the word of God to preach to you, there's better things you could do with your time on this Sunday morning. There's a big antique show outside. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of other things you could do with your time on this particular morning. But I'm speaking to you the oracles of God. Earlier today, we set this place up and did so with the strength of God. I want you to see that. Look at verse 11. Do you see that? It's the strength that God supplies. I speak the oracles of God by God's grace. Someone else flexes their muscle and puts in hard work to set things up and does so by God's grace, by God's strength. People lead small groups. We're a church of small groups, which we'll talk about. Those small groups are led by the grace of God at work in the small group leader's life. Sometimes that small group is meeting at somebody else's home. That person prepares their home and vacuums and sets a place and makes sure that their home is hospitable by the grace of God. Well, they're just setting up. The leader leads, but they're just providing. Look at the text. Right there, it says the person who's speaking, it's just because he's speaking the oracles of God. The person who's serving is just because they're serving by the strength that God supplies. It's grace, it's grace, it's grace, it's grace. What grace has God given you to serve within the body of Christ? God gives gifts to every believer. Gifts of of particular skills, gifts of of a broad reach, gifts. Some people are multi-gifted. Some people have one thing that they really hone in on. But God, if you're a Christian today, God has given you a gift and probably more than one. What gift of grace has God given you to serve within the body of Christ in order, and if you look at the the last part of verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That the setup person, the children's ministry person, the preacher, the worship leader, that everything can work together that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. Saving grace, serving grace, and now, just because it's just to keep you on your toes, we're going to go out of order. I'm actually going to, I've decided to preach point four and then point three, so please, please stay in the church. But just look down to point four, because I want to talk to you about um, suffering grace. 
Because it's right next, it's right after verse 11, and I don't know why I decided to go out of order. Look at verse 12 in 1 Peter chapter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Look at verse 12. Paul says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. In fact, verse 12, it says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial if it, does it say if it comes upon you? Does yours say if? Or it says what? So it is coming. Right? Well, I think, I think Peter was speaking with certainty. Now, we could go back and forth as to whether or not Peter was speaking certainty, with certainty about a specific trial that they were going to go through in the pending destruction of Jerusalem. We, but the bottom line is, suffering is expected in the Christian life. Suffering is expected in the Christian life. That's the point. That's the point that we would glean from that and that we should not be surprised. It's fair warning. Don't be surprised. It's going to happen. Don't be surprised as if it's strange. It's common. It's common to suffer in this life. It's common to suffer in this life. Watch this. Let me prove it. Raise your hands if you've suffered in this life. I love when I can depend on the church to illustrate my point just like that. It's common to suffer in this life. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, they just don't want to admit that they've suffered. But everyone here has suffered. To some degree. Suffering is a part of life. And no one is exempt. Now, Peter here is speaking specifically of suffering for the sake of being a, a Christian. Right? Being persecuted. Not just suffering under you know, some other means. But he's speaking specifically about that. And that's present in our day and age. Uh, There's a family in this very church, part of the Fort Thomas campus, who are, they're from, uh, they recently relocated from Buffalo, New York. And their old church, uh, the church that they used to be a part of, somebody, for no reason at all, came by two weeks ago and threw a Molotov cocktail into the glass doors in and through the glass doors of their church and burned a a good portion of the church. Suffering is expected. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. That's tragic. Well, I guess it's just expected. It says in the word of God, that's, that's tragic. That's terrible. It's, it's heart wrenching. It's heartbreaking. Not surprising is, is the only thing I'm saying. Do you see that? Not surprising. Suffering is expected. I received an email from a former student of mine who goes to a, a, a different church. And uh, she wanted me to pray um, because of missionaries within their church who are over in Afghanistan. And they sent out this SOS message because ISIS was coming through and systematically asking people to renounce Christ so that they would live. Just renounce Christ. And people were just refusing to. And so they died. Like, not like it called their bluff. They died. Children. 
children in whom the Lord, by God's grace, had instilled within them a, a fervent love for him, chose martyrdom. Now, there's a danger in talking about these examples because it could make you think, well, the fact that somebody calls me a Jesus freak at work isn't really suffering because I still have my head on my shoulders, literally. But I don't know in what form you suffer for the sake of Christ, but we're told to expect to suffer for the sake of Christ. And it may, it may not cost us our lives, or it may cost us our lives. It may cost our dignity, or it may cost our pride, or it may cost a, a, a relationship. But suffering is a part of life. And even more broadly, it's just a part of our life because we, lived in a, it, we live in a fallen, fallen, fallen world. There are some among us who suffer terribly from physical illness constantly, and their lives revolve around maybe, maybe now if I try this, it, I can be relieved of this pain. Not this inconvenience, this pain. Maybe this, this might work, and this might work, and that might work. And it's hard to keep up hope. It's hard to stay hopeful. And it turns into that might work, but it probably won't because none of them worked. It's hard. We suffer in this world. There are some among us who suffer terribly from physical illness. There are some among us who suffer at the hands of an unsaved spouse. You're uh, married, but you're spiritually single. That's hard no matter what the circumstances. There's some who suffer at work because of your efforts to honor the Lord go against the flow in some way, shape, or form. But then if you look at 1 Peter 4, if you look at 1 Peter 4, verse 13, it says we're to what? But rejoice. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It's hard to suffer. But if you're suffering because you're a Christian, hopefully that's because you look and act and talk and reflect your Savior. Hopefully you're not just picking a fight for the sake of picking a fight, and some Christians do that. But hopefully it's because God has made you so different. It swims so far upstream, so against the flow in the world in which we live, that there's something to rejoice in. God's doing a work in me, and it's noticeable and it's painful and it's hard, but there's something, to, there's something to rejoice in. You can remember the words of the prophet Isaiah who says that our God, Jesus Christ, is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. I'm, I'm like Christ in this. He's like me in this. He's acquainted with what I'm going through. It's something to rejoice in. And now going back to verse point three, we're also being sanctified. There's sanctifying grace. Sometimes as a result of suffering that we go through, actually most times as a result of suffering that we go through, we grow and we change. And I'm sure if we polled this room and went around asking, have you suffered? Are you suffering? And has God grown you through it? It would be yes, yes, and yes. I'm sure that would be the case. 
for the suffering that you've went through. I'm sure you can look back upon, hopefully even look in as you're in. But sometimes you got to look back. Sometimes it's the rear view mirror is a lot easier to see through than the windshield. Sometimes you can look back upon God's grace. You can look back and see, wow, look at what God has done. I suffered, but I grew. I suffered, but I changed. Look what he brought about in my life. I don't think I ever would have realized what I know now had I not suffered. And we're being sanctified. We grow and we change to be more like Christ by God's grace. Second Peter 3.18 says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And why do we want to grow? Why do we talk about spiritual growth so much at our church? Well, we want to be more like Jesus and live lives that are well-pleasing to him. Second Corinthians 5.9. And we want to be pleasing to God. But I'll tell you one thing. I also want to be useful in God's kingdom. I don't want to be saved just to die and go to heaven. And I don't think that's wrong. I literally wrote that in my notes. I don't think that's wrong to say. I don't, I don't, I, but I don't want to be saved just to die and go to heaven. I'd be thankful for that. That's the story of the thief on the cross. I'm sure he's thankful for that. I'm just not on a cross. So, so since I'm not on a cross and God has saved me and given me more days in life and given me a, a lifetime to serve him here on earth before he takes me to heaven... I want to be useful for him in his kingdom. I want to be well-pleasing to him. God has granted me days on earth, and I don't know how many, but I want to be growing so I can be useful in his kingdom. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and following says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. See, I need people. I need community. I need people. I need people to show me my blind spots because you can see parts of me in my life that I would never be able to see if we live together in some form of community. God uses people in my life to encourage me when I'm down, to love me when I'm needy, to correct me when I'm wrong, to remind me of the Lord when I'm functioning as an atheist and to increase my faith when it's lacking. I need people. Which is why we talk so much about small groups. It's a time not just to get together and enjoy chips and salsa or chipotle. There's a theme. There's a common theme today. But because we want to gather together in community so we can stir one another up. I want to be able to teach my kids about the Bible. I want to be able to share the gospel with them because they need to be saved. And I want to be able to live the gospel out before them because more is caught than taught. I want to be able to help others understand the word, but not just in general, I want them to be able to apply to their everyday lives specifically. And that's why we are passionate about biblical counseling, not just because it's like a thing of ours. It's a hobby horse of ours. We love training people to take their Bibles and help other people, help them find grace, help them see grace, help them apply grace to their daily life. Saving grace, serving grace, suffering grace, sanctifying grace. And lastly, yes, they do all begin with S, Sending grace. Sending grace. We send our very best to take the gospel and the message of God's grace to the tri-state and the world. And that's not easy to do. But we're excited about the Great Commission and other verses. And other verses. But the Great Commission that's listed in Matthew 28, verses 19 and following, it says to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Sending grace. Our church demonstrates that in sending us here. 
Grace Fellowship Church used to be one location. Now it is two. Let's send people to take the gospel to the tri-state. Let's send people to reach more people. We demonstrate that in sending missionaries overseas. Let's send people. Not long from now, I'm going to Albania to partner with our missionaries in Albania and teach at a biblical counseling training conference for uh, for two weeks in two different cities in the country. And we do that in uh, Albania, in Romania, in the Czech Republic. We partner with people. We come, aside and come alongside national pastors and try to serve them and love them and equip them to do the things that we're talking about. And now, and now we're looking for more people to go to an unreached people group and a group that we've coined PG6, People Group 6, because we're in five locations now, so this would be the sixth, PG6. And we need sending grace. We need some, we need some, look at me. We need some of you. We're looking for a few good men and women. We need some of you who would feel that tug on their heart, that poke from the Lord to say, I think I might want to hear more about that and do something which seems absolutely crazy, but go to an unreached people group to seek to be a light to them. Look at me. We need you. Part of sending grace sometimes is going grace. Maybe the church has some, maybe you're thinking, yeah, we have sending grace. Maybe you really have going grace and I have sending grace and I'm going to, you know, help you with your sending grace and equip you and send you and we could do that as a church. I want you to think and pray about that. Look at me. I'm serious. That's not just a, like we really, we're really looking for goers. Todd, am I serious? Yeah, like I'm serious. We're really looking for goers. Literally. See me if you're interested in going. I'll put you in touch with people. We want to send you. But see, here's what I want to do. I want to ask Jesus to come up. And I want you to consider this as we close. What type of grace are you in need of today? What's the color of the day? You might be in need of saving grace. Maybe you need to be saved. You might already be saved. And you're in need of the grace to serve. That God would give you serving grace. To use a gift that you have for the glory of God. To serve people. To serve within the body of Christ. Maybe it's sanctifying grace. God has really laid it upon your heart as a result of our time in the word today. That you need to grow that you need to change, that you need to become plugged in uh, in a way that you would grow and change. So maybe you, you would need to learn more about the word of God or be plugged into a small group so that you can learn more about the word by being around other people. Maybe you're going through a terribly, terribly, terribly difficult time. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. And maybe you need suffering grace. Maybe it's sending grace. Maybe it's going grace. What type of grace do you need today? Because you do need grace. And I have good news for you from Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, which says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Specific, custom-tailored, Tailored, no one size fits all, tailored grace for you.
for you, for you, for you, for you. The grace that God has for you is not the same that he has for the person next to you because he has, he has special grace for them too and special grace for that person. And what I want to know is what type of grace, what color of grace are you in need of today? So I'm going to ask the worship team just to play quietly, maybe just for a minute or two before we close in song. And I just want you to reflect upon that because God invites you to come to his throne with confidence. Oh, I hope he has the grace I need. Confidence that he has grace to help you, even you, in your time of need. Take some time to think about this, but pray. Pray that God would show you what grace you need and would give it to you. And consider if there's next steps that he would have you take. Let's reflect upon that before we sing.